From Country Island to 120 games of Carlton, now at Geelong, the charismatic and hard-working Zach Tui opens up about his footy journey, including his biggest fear in co-changing, his secret to making friends at new clubs, and which Cats coach made him feel like a giddy little schoolgirl. international guys mm. I scratch my head sometimes as well but admiration as to how yeah. you uproot your life go from one country to another and play this native mm. game yeah it's, it's a unique game as well when people for people who haven't seen it um, their first reaction is always a bit of awe and wonder but I guess look the, the skill set is trans um, you can translate the skill set really well and uh, I've said before, I've just had a lot of good people around me, so happy to take as much credit as you want to give me, but some of it should go to Mate, some of the other people around me. I'd be taking it all. Like we, we grow up living and breathing footy, right? Yeah. Watching it on the TV, you're kicking it in the backyard. I mean, the, the ball is over, it makes no sense. At least you're playing with <laughs> the animal, right? But, I mean, what, what was your upbringing like? Yeah, well, it was, the cultures, Australia and Ireland are very similar. Um, obviously some, some differences but I mean so I grew up playing soccer and hurling which is the other kind of major Irish sport and, yeah. and Gaelic football and I really like desperately wanted to be a professional footballer it was probably soccer was where I thought I might it was the only good pathway to a professional sport that I had so that was kind of right well let's see if I'm any good at that it was okay it was never going to make it um, funny a guy I grew up with he ended up spending a few years with Celtic can just remember being like so jealous uh, like just seething with jealousy and happy for him but yeah. I really really wanted it to be me so when the opportunity came up it's kind of one of those I just couldn't let it go by I remember my first year I was thinking look just go if it doesn't like you get to Christmas time in your head yeah you can you can always come back but I just loved it and um it's nearly 10 years ago now like it's, it's crazy I've got so many questions um so hurling is obviously a physical yeah, yeah. Gaelic, yeah. not so. One of your best attributes in our game, notwithstanding you, yeah, is yeah. your physicality. Because I've never been wasted. Yeah, it's going down the Gaelic path. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's look. I guess it's quite physical. You don't get the same crash and bash, and obviously the actual tackling. You can't actually tackle. Yeah. Um, but it's still a pretty high contact sport. But it's funny, like even so, the physical side of the game I really enjoy. Um, even the sledging side of it, I know we kind of have to be a bit careful these days, but that didn't exist at all really in GA, I didn't think. And then you came out here and blocks trying to, you know, so I, it's just, it's funny, it, same skill set as I said, but some of the nuances in the sport are quite fun. Yeah. We shouldn't stamp them out. I know we're real careful about what you can and can't say on field, but geez, we shouldn't stamp out sledging. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, 
but I'm just interested in terms of, I mean, how, how do you get identified as an Irishman at home mm. to either have the skill set to play you know, Aussie rules and notwithstanding similarities? Yeah. And what does that look like? I mean, I think you came over and trained with Carlton for a you know, four-week Yeah, yeah, trial, did a month, yeah. And then picked up in the rookie draft. Yeah, it was funny. So I played, um, <clears throat> I played half-back with Leash, my home county. And I guess I, I, I've spoken to the guy who spotted me initially, Jared Sholley, and the thing he said was he just liked how I moved. I'm not sure what that exactly means, but he thought I covered the ground quite well, and that was typically a, um, a trait he looked for. Um, and he just said that was the first thing that kind of made him spot me. I actually think he'd probably still be better at picking Irish guys than I would. Um, but yeah, they look for guys who they think can kind of move okay, and. I mean, I got put into a combine in Ireland with maybe 25 guys, and from that, two of us got picked, and I was the only one who came of the mm -hmm. two of us. Um, Kieran Ching came a few years later, but it was we were the two who were identified. So, um, yeah, I didn't like so Colin Begley, who's played Brisbane and uh, St Kilda. He's from my county, so I knew of the sport, and um, when the opportunity came up. God, I was so desperate to get it, like, you know, this was it, this was my chance to kind of be a professional sports person, so when I was at that combine, I remember I wasn't quite the fittest alone, it's, it's not a bad area, yeah. um, but uh, the, of, the, of the crop we had, I can distinctly remember feeling like, Do you know what, I reckon I'm more, I reckon I can kick it a lot better than these guys, yeah. I don't know if that was what got me over the edge in the end, but yeah. I think that was maybe my point of difference from the rest of the Irish guys. So, not, notwithstanding that the similarities the Irish and the Australian mm. culture. Um, I guess your sporting experiences in Ireland, and then coming to Melbourne, yep. and then obviously Carlton, the professional atmosphere mm. that is Australian rules football. How does that compare to what you've been exposed to previously? Well, it just doesn't. I mean, so I never got the chance to play at the top level back home because I left when I was eighteen. Yeah. I was only kind of starting to break in. Um, but it's funny. So basically, at the competitive, really competitive level, this is all I've known. So I kind of didn't have anything to compare it to. So it would be interesting if I did end up back in Ireland or playing senior GAA, what the differences would be. Um, but this kind of culture and atmosphere, this is really all I've known. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to kind of say, oh, it's so much different to what the GAA guys have. Cause is the scrutiny the same? Yeah, it, it's a, I mean, it's the biggest sport in the country, GAA football. Some counties are hard and some counties are football. but. Mm -hmm. Um, it's starting to become just huge and although I don't know the specific details it's kind of gotten to the stage where the top counties are really starting to pull away from the lower ones and I was I was you know one of the smaller traditionally weaker counties um, so my future was maybe more limited than some other guys like so um, yeah it's it's the, it's the biggest sport they're under a lot of pressure a lot of media coverage but still nothing like it is here is is the ball the biggest barrier? Is that, is that the, yeah, the hardest thing? Yeah, oh, I didn't find that at all. And really? same with actually Satanto Halbin, who I played with, because I remember him telling me what he found hardest, and I agree, this is what I found hardest, was um, the game is so much more like nuanced, and because the ground is so big, there's so much structure to understand, and that just was not natural for me. So in GA, you typically play in your position, like you hold that area of the ground, that's just how you play it. Um, but when I came out here, I can. It's funny. My first intra club. The, oh God, it seems so stupid. Worrying about now. But the thing I was really worried about when I was going to play my first intra club 
was how do you know when to come off the ground? What if I run off at the wrong time? Like, how do you know when you're supposed to come off? I found that so weird to yeah. run off and on. And I was really nervous about coming off at the wrong time. And of course, you know, that just shows how innocent and naive. And so, like, just the structure of the game and where to run and all these things. So, so much harder than the skills. We're getting off track here a little bit, but I mean, there's a lot of commentary at the moment around mm. the aesthetics of the AFL yep. and the way the game looks, the way the game's played. Mm. Um, is, is Gaelic, do they change the rules in Gaelic as much? Do they have those yep. same discussions? Yeah, they do. I don't have to do it as much, but like they introduced the Mac into GA. Yep. So just from, I think it's, oh God, I hope I'm not wrong here, I should know, but it's just from Kickins. And if it's Mac between uh, the 65s or 45s, so in that whole middle section. So it's basically to try and reward the guy who flies and grabs it, because what used to happen was, because there's no Mac, you fly and grab it, and then you just get swarmed and gives away a free kick. Um, so they're open to change. I sometimes wonder if we shot ourselves in the foot a bit in AFL by, it, it feels to me now that as soon as a problem arises, the answer is to tinker with the rules instead of just maybe letting things, let the dust settle a small bit. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I get it, I understand it. So, um, so, so what, what are the motivations for GA changing the rules? Is it for the spectator? Is it for the player's safety, as we've done here? Yeah, well, I certainly, so things like concussion aren't an issue in GA. I mean, I'm sure they happen every now and then, but pretty rare. Um, I have to assume it's the for the spectators. Because um, it's like any sport, you want to, you want to like exaggerate and accentuate the, the good things in the sport. Um, now we don't, you know, marking the ball and flying sitting on top of guys' shoulders isn't part of GA, but it's still a really attractive skill yep. um, that they're trying to encourage. So I don't think they change rules nearly as much as AFL, but the rules that have been changed, I think, are to make the game look quicker and prettier. So in terms of our, our game and our rules now. Mm -hmm. Just leave it as it is for a little bit. Well, look, I get that it's frustrating and people, like, there's some low-scoring games and I just don't like that the, the first instinct seems to be, I read in the paper that had a li list of 10 potential rule changes and some I get and some are just like, the idea of zones doesn't quite sit well with me. Yeah. Um, but I think you could probably do some stuff with centre bounce, you have to hold 666 or... Yeah, yeah I'm not sure, look, I kind of, I guess I don't have the answers to how, how to fix the congestion problem, but... Um, it's just a bit frustrating as a player yeah. to hear all the speculation about new rules you might have to try to adapt to. Seen but I do understand what happens like that. Seen it as a past player as well. Yeah. Um, enough of that. Now, Ireland has been a happy hunting ground traditionally yep. for the AFL. Um, and as you said earlier, there were two guys in particular from that training camp who mm -hmm. identified. You came out, you, the other um, maybe a little bit later. Yeah. You always wanted to be a professional sporting mm. person. What, what, what did you? What have you got? What did you have then that allowed you the confidence to be able to uproot your entire life mm. and come out here? The dedication to give yourself the opportunity and then to become a, such yeah, a strong player. The opportunity came up at a really good time uh, for a few reasons. One, I was just leaving school, and the other was that the recession had just hit. And this is like a so it sounds a bit goofy, but I like guys finishing year, you know, years in college and coming out and not being able to find work. Yeah. So that was university or secondary school. So I finished, yeah, I finished secondary school and kind of had a year out, and then I came to Australia, yeah. and in that kind of year out is when the stuff all crashed. Yeah. Um, that wasn't, I guess, 
the prospect of going home and trying to work wasn't a huge motivation because I was still more determined just to be a professional player, like it wasn't a fear of going back to work. But if ever the, the mood struck me that, geez, I'm missing home, you just, all I had to do was just think of really where, what would I be doing. Yeah. Um, and it was a big move and I'd never left home before, I'd never even travelled by myself. Um, but I knew, like even in the, in the times when I was a little bit homesick, I knew this is what I wanted to do and I just had to sort of ride the, the ups and downs when they came along. Although there were not many downs, but just had to. Yeah. And so the, the homesickness mm. was fleeting? Very fleeting. And it's funny, like I, I just did an interview for an Irish paper and the truth is I miss playing football more than I miss my family in that. And it sounds bad, but your family can come out and you can talk to them. The world's pretty small these days. Yeah. And all my family were pushing me out the door. Like they knew this is what I wanted to do. They knew, so I kind of had that support. But yeah. when my first year here, my local team won the Leinster, which is the provincial um, sort of national title. God, that was hard missing that. Like it was proper, like yeah. gut-wrenching sort of stuff. But again, you just have to go, well, yeah, it's hard, but... So, uh, so I guess effectively you didn't give yourself any other option, right? Yes, the, the yeah, that's of, a good way of putting it, yeah. The, the thought of going home yeah. and certainly not being unemployable, but being jobless because yeah. of the economy yeah. was a fear. But even, even, if I, even if I could go home and walk into a comfortable job, still not professional football. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. Like, even if I knew I'd go home and get a great paying job, even if I paid more, it's kind of like a large part of what... I like to think drove me was just the curiosity as to whether or not I could actually do it. So there's a lot of Irish guys come out here in Dunlops and a lot of um, at that age better known players than me didn't do it. Yeah. I just thought, I wonder if I can. So there's a kind of combination of everything. Yeah. There's the stubbornness that most sort of competitive sports people seem to have. So it's a combination of it all. And so when, when the the draftees, the young kids come into mm. to the system now do you sort of advise them to um, you know, pursue your interests, be it university or a trade or those other passions, yeah. or because you sort of gave yourself no other option to a certain extent, yeah. it's, this is it? Um, I think you can, you can forgive young guys in the first year or two, like you can give them that leeway to just focus on football, um, but it's such a tough competition now that like they just have to have something to fall back on. Re reality says you just need something to fall back on. And, I've got a few things I might be able to do outside of footy now. And I mean, the one thing I would try and hammer home at younger guys is that just like relax, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's so stressful. Like the whole thing is so stressful. Just take it easy. Yeah. Um, it's something this club does really well. Um, but yeah, like the interests outside of, outside of football are like, they're very, very connected to football because it's what's going to make you play well. Like getting away from it and switching off will help your football. Yeah. Um, so the it's a tricky balance. Every player will be different. Like I, I spent the first two years just worrying about football. Yeah. Just trying to pick up the things I needed to pick up, and then I kind of yeah. just ran from there. Some guys would be different. You, you sort of came up short runway in that sense. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, I had to be the game, you should say. Yeah, try and be a bit of a sponge for two years yeah. and then worry about the other stuff. Um, you said this club Geelong does mm, it well. Very well. Um, you obviously came from Carlton to Geelong. Mm. In reflection, how do you feel about your time at Carlton? Fun memories or what's the... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, little, I mean, very limited success, I guess, in my time. That's just the fact we were quite strong early in my career there. But um, yeah, I loved them. And 
like they're the ones who gave me the opportunity and gave me all these things, so I appreciate that. But the industry, I mean, the industry sets the game. Like, you just have to sort of, I'm trying to steer away from cliches, play the hand you're dealt and all this. <laughs> but it, it just got to a stage where the path, you know, Carlton Run was different. You know, I wasn't going to be a part of their future, which is, again, fine, it's part of the, yeah. part of the game. Um, but in terms of, I wouldn't change my time. I wouldn't have left earlier if I could, or I wouldn't have done anything. Um, but the time was right for me to leave. It was the right decision for both of us. So it's worked out quite well. So that the, the, the period of time you had at Carlton, you were mm. very successful initially, and then they lost their way, but um, you know, lost a lot of players. Yeah, well, it was interesting. I reflected on it a few times. We um, had a really good year in, I think it was 2011. Yeah, I think it was. We lost the West Coast by a few points, but at that stage, we were an up-and-coming team, and everyone yeah. tipped us for pretty good things the next year. Started the next year, I think we won the first three games pretty convincingly and we're getting tipped for great things and then I can't remember why, I'm not even sure we made finals that year from that from that point so and then, then from there we just kind of never recovered um, and as much as I loved my time and I did, like Ty's the only Irish guy who's won a flag, jeez it'd be nice. And once you get to a certain age, I think it's getting better now with sports science. Not that I, I don't think I'm, you know, at a certain age just yet. But you know, you never know. I might only have, say, my last year at Carlton, I might be thinking, well, I might only have four years after five years left. It's, it's hard to know. It's like I really want to be competing in that last four or five years. Yeah. And while it can turn very quickly, and there's no reason it can't turn for Carlton very quickly, Geelong were kind of at a stage where they were looking like they're ready to sort challenge or be competitive for a few years. And I just had to weigh it all up. And, and that was kind of the determining factor in the end. Yeah, and you made that right decision. How do you, how do you compare the two clubs? Mm. The, the, the feeling walking out of Carlton into Geelong, who, who are one of the strongest on-field and off-field, mm. and in terms of that welfare, really important piece of management for a player coming into the club. Yeah, it's funny. Although I have had different coaches, the clubs have very different philosophies. Um, and I understand some of it at Carlton is born out of necessity, it's such a young list. We spent a lot of hours at the club and um, it was a very, very detailed and regimented schedule, which again, I, I enjoyed at times. Um, but I've come here and it's a much more player sort of, uh, player driven culture. And we're given a lot of downtime provided we do the work. Um, it's one of those things where you're expected to work incredibly hard when you're here, but if you do the right thing in the club, do the right thing by you in terms of looking after you and time off and, and all that kind of thing. And as a slightly, well, I was, I was an older player at Carlton, I'm actually an older player here as well, I'm not too far <laughs> off the top, which is worrying. Um, but that was really nice. I have a young family, I get downtime with them. Geelong is an easy town to get around. Um, it's just worked out. Yeah, there's, there's big differences, but Geelong are just further down the path of, um, you know, their click word now culture but they are just a bit further down having had some success in recent times and so it sounded like at Carlton you came from you know, you, you started there with a reasonably strong culture and mm. the success that you had and then dropped away and you stepped back into a really strong culture at Geelong yeah. uh, are any of those learnings from Carlton transferable in terms of those experiences you had yeah I think so um, again it's, it's, it's hard one to know like reflect on my time at Carlton like it was a good place to be, like it was a good place to train and work and it was really frustrating because as poorly as we played sometimes it was just so hard to figure out why. Because like, we, we loved the company we had there and we loved the people we were with but um, yeah there is, there's, uh, 
there are, there are little telltale signs that um, I wouldn't like to creep into here now. Um, you know, just it's hard when you're going to be careful. It's just um, you can you can get a certain feeling when a club has been beaten down for a long time, like we were. Um, there's just a certain uncomfortable atmosphere, and even in reviews and stuff, there's an air of something not quite right. Um, and here, even though we underperform from time to time, I'm kind of still hyper aware of that feeling, and I just don't get it as much. That's really refreshing. Yeah, it's funny. Even during periods of success, I mean, yeah. we, we had a whole lot yeah. of feelings creep in. Mm. And I know, for, you know from, from my experience, selfishness almost in that yeah, you know, self preservation type of attitude. It really is. Yeah. Um, and and when, when guys feel secure, and when you feel like it's an even playing field in terms of form, yeah. as opposed to favoritism, yeah. Um, mm. uh, I mean, that, that's what it was like for us. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of a hard one to put your finger on, but yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, because Carlton's a sleeping giant. Like everyone knows how big the club is. Um, and look at like Richmond have just kind of mm. just come from nowhere, and now they're just the biggest, you know, biggest thing in town. So, um, but just being part of such a big club with such passion support and then underperforming individually as well myself and the team just underperforming underperforming it just kind of wears you down and wears you down and it's only when you step away from it that you kind of look at it and go oh, geez, I actually did alright not to just melt <laughs> like <laughs> it was so hard and you get here and sometimes it just takes after a bad performance um, a cool head to go we're still the same side we were before that bad performance you know we're still just as good as we were when we beat team X, Y and Z earlier in the year so it's yeah, it's an interesting difference. Like, I, th I think to have that um, that dynamic within a playing group and within a leadership group, I'm not sure yeah. if you are in a leadership yeah. group, but you are if you're long, yeah. um, to have those different experiences yeah. is really important. Have that, that, that yeah. perspective, that level headedness, as you say. Yeah, it's 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 great to get like um, well, there's lots of successful players here when I arrived because there's guys who've been here through the good years, but. Um, you get people in from a club that's been successful, they can really have some valuable information, but it can almost work the other way when it, somebody's come from a team that's maybe done things poorly for a long period of time. It can actually help to have somebody who can maybe spot those. Um, and we've got a good mix in the leadership group at the minute, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun place to be, winning games. How do you, um, you spoke about the, the different feel mm. of the footy club, right? Um, how do you kind of parlay that over the different administrations and even yeah. boards and yep. that kind of external culture? You know, internal external yeah. culture outside of the playing room. Well, it's hard to know who drives. I guess the senior coach would be the one that would drive the overarching philosophy of a club. I'm not. I guess I'm not really sure. It's a bit of a conglomerate of different people making decisions. But Scotty, for a player who was mad as a brush. He's so calm. If you honestly, if if all you knew about him was how he played, you'd think he'd be a nutcase as a coach. We've seen vision him in the box, and he yeah, yeah, yeah. Look and he does look so calm. Yeah, but yeah. even after games, after we played terribly, like Hendo, uh, Lucky Henderson, who yeah. I played at Carlton, he would tell me like, "Oh, we don't have many meetings after games because he likes to be measured in that." And last year we played, started the season really well. We weren't playing great, but winning games, and we lost a few games in a row. And he called us into the rooms after the game and. I was like, oh, here it is, you know, this is it. But yeah, it was, you almost look like you're looking forward to it. Yeah, I was like, oh, here he is, he is human, this is great. And he called us in, but it was just, he's so consistent in his delivery and everything is measured and he's just, 
an exceptional, exceptional coach in that way. But it was just brought us in and we just had a chat about what we thought happened. And um, I was sitting down thinking, this is, I'm getting a dressing down here. But his ability to just be consistent week after week and performance after performance, it's a skill that not many people have. Yeah. Like, they ride the emotional roller coaster as much as players. So to be able to just maintain that consistent feeling throughout the week and throughout the club and... Um, it's just such a easy, easy place to work. It, it almost sounds like he's the I'm not angry boys. I'm just disappointed. disappointed. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, that's I mean, exactly what it is. Yeah, that's a scream at me, please don't <laughs> tell me that. But I mean, there, there is still a place for that fun. Yeah, of course there is, and I don't want to imply that he's. I mean, he can get fired up. Don't worry about that. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is that. Um, he has a philosophy on how things should be done and he's not going to let his own emotions or anything else get in the way of him being the coach that he wants to be in and running the type of club that he wants to run. Um, but it's just so consistent through media. For, you know, I would never kind of worry about letting something slip in media. You know, like things can get jumped on. and I just know that in this organisation, if you made a mistake, they would just kind of say, you made a mistake, we didn't yeah. sort of fix it. Don't so, sort of stress. So correct me if I'm wrong, Scotty, Scotty be your third AFL coach, Bolton and Mick? No, no, so I had Rats. Oh, Brett Rat and I started it. Uh, right. And then Mick, and then if you want to count Intram, JB, Johnny Barker, and then Bolton. We've had a few, yeah. Um, and that, the, the fire and brimstone approach mm-hmm. to, to now and the, the kids coming through the system, mm-hmm. how have you seen that, that yeah, change? It's still a place for it, I guess. And I'm not sure it has changed. I guess it would be coach to coach. Like, um, so what, what about the kids coming through the system, the draftees? Have you, have you seen a different um, tact used? In, in terms of approaching them as yeah. in their development? Um, well, we know a lot more, uh, even the sports science side of things, so they'll get looked after better if they're starting to feel sore and, and all that kind of thing. Um, I can only speak for kind of how we, how we do it here, but I mean, I, I don't recall getting arrested too often in my first year or two, and um, you were kind of thrown in the deep end, uh, much more measured and nuanced approach to the younger boys now, but I mean, they're coming in almost, maybe not AF already, but professionally good to go, because the, the underage systems they have now are so good, so... Mm-hmm. Most of them know pretty well what to expect. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure um, when they draft players, they really take into account personality and, and all that kind of thing as well. So you tend to only get drafted if you're pretty switched on and ready to go. Yeah. Is, is there, um, in terms of that draft age and the, and the kids mm-hmm. coming in, um, and they are, they've been so well programmed, um, mm-hmm. the step is nowhere near it's dramatic, yeah. or as dramatic. Yeah. Um, how do you see that? Yeah, it's just so good. It's so. I mean, some of the guys we pick up are just so impressive, and some some need a bit more guidance than others. That's a given. Um, but they just know what's expected of them um, from day dot. And uh, I mean, that's a, it's a huge credit to to the AFL for setting up whatever pathways they've set up. Um, but we want to give all our players the best opportunity to succeed and become the best players they can be. And the way to do that is to send them. Uh, send them into AFL clubs with some reasonable amount of experience and, and um, you know, give them an idea of what's, to, what's expected of them. And they've got that more than ever, I reckon. Given, given your, I guess, limited exposure to the game um, initially, are there certain guys or players that, that were mentors 
Yeah, there's, there's a couple springs straight to mind. Um, Heath Scotland was one who, he was the one I would go to constantly if I wasn't playing great, um, or anything really needed to talk about. He was, I hadn't spoken to him in a year or two, however, two years probably, after he retired. And then when I was um, tossing up the possibility of maybe changing club, he was, I called him out of the blue and we went for a coffee. So it was kind of after all that time, He's still the guy I think of when I need to try and make a footy decision. I respect him that much. And why? Well, he was just—he's that—he has been that mentor type for me from day dot. Um, he was always the one who, and he was an exceptional footballer. I looked up to him in that regard as well. But of all the senior guys we've had, he's the one who's most approachable, who genuinely seemed to care the most, along with a few other guys. Um, and because I respected him so much, I actually craved his respect. And I thought a good way of doing that was to pick his brain and see what it is he expects from me as a player and a teammate. And out of that, um, I got to the stage where he was somebody whose opinion I wanted. So I literally called him and went for a coffee, having not spoke to him in two years probably, and asked his opinion. And that, that kind of mental relationship, mm. did, that, did that just happen organically? Did yeah. You, did you recognise that he was... Yeah, the guy for you personally. I'm pretty sure it came about by like. What did he take you under his wing? Or no, he didn't. I'm pretty sure it came about by like filling his locker full of stuff <laughs> and the <this laughs> stupid thing that blokes do in footy clubs. I used to, I used to do this thing where if there was a box, if there was new boots waiting at someone's locker, you know, they just kind of get left there. Yeah, yeah. I'd wait for them to come in and I'd have. I'd, open their boots and say, oh, you know, new boots, these are nice, and I walked to the edge of the locker room and kicked them as far as I could, <laughs> for no reason, I thought, oh, these are nice senior boots, and uh, that was kind of my shtick for, <laughs> for a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great, actually, I made loads of friends. That's a bad Um But it was funny, and he was, he was a big kid as well, so he used to, he was happy to kind of run with it, but it was goofy things that blokes do to bond you know they're yeah, bloody yeah. big kids um but yeah it happened really organically and like i said I, I, he's somebody i could tell genuinely cared about me being a player and you can just sense that from people it's not it wasn't bravado it wasn't put on yeah um and i really wanted his approval as a player and a bloke and a teammate and all that and, and so given that heath was that for you yeah changing clubs yep did, did somebody has somebody at Geelong been that for you initially? Since Yeah, it was a few. So, I mean, I really looked up to Harry, obviously. Um, and the player I really wanted to play with was Cam Guthrie. Um, and he's, he's actually a bit younger than me, but um, there's a few guys I was thinking, I really would like to see them up close. Um, so there was a few, but, I mean, Maddie Scarlett's our defensive coach. So when I first got to the club, you know, you get the messages off every player and every everyone and says who it is when I got the one off Scarlett that was the first time I kind of went ooh give me a little schoolgirl again like, I, got all, I got all giddy and I was like oh that's funny Scarlett first day he met me he came up and he's like oh I'm delighted we got you here you know I was stoked when they said they were going after you and I was like oh Jesus stop it stop it stop but um so you try and latch on to him a bit but I mean we've got M right now as well and Nigel Lappin like these are all unbelievable yeah. players like it's outrageous yeah um, but Scala and, and Nigel, they're probably the coaches that I've lent on most uh, and that have helped me most. Two of the best coaches I've had of a lot because I've had different assistant coaches, obviously. Um, and then player-wise, Harry's, Harry's really good to speak to. Harry sees the game really well. He's very well-grounded. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, like, hell of a player. 
he'd probably be the one that I would have approached more. And have you have you identified someone you've been really fortunate with by the sounds the guys have helped you through? Mm-hmm. You, you pass that on? Yeah, try to. I've had in my time. I've had a few uh, Irish guys come to the same club. Like there's a couple like Carlton and now Mark O'Connor's here as well. So you kind of try and help them when they need it. Um, it's kind of ideally I'd love to get to a position with some of these younger guys where they would call me. You know that sort of like I would Heath. If you're approachable. If I were approachable, they'd kick their boots everywhere. <laughs> a bit less of a bully might help. Um, but yeah, there's a few. There's a few good guys that I think could be players here that haven't quite played yet. Um, like Zach Guthrie's going to be a help. I know he's played, but he's going he's going to be a serious player. Yeah. Um, he gets a few cakes on. I'm I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Cam Guthrie. Mm. What what was it, or what is it about him that caught your eye? Yeah, well, he had that um, stellar year a few years ago, or something. The first half, he was just a, he was dominant. I loved the way he moved and kicked, and he was similar. Uh, better, but a similar player to me, and you know, moving off the half bank, uh, off the half back, and um, I just love the way he used it, and I love the way he moved. There's always those a few guys. I don't know if you were the same, but guys at different clubs you loved watching. Robbie Gray, lots of people say him. I love watching him, yeah. and Burgoyne is the other one. I used to watch a lot of vision of him and yeah. Burchill actually. Um, but yeah, so Cam was when he had that really good year. I used to watch him and just think, I wonder how he's, how's he, like, how's he doing that. Like, how's he getting to those positions so often? And then he came to trend, and he was just so much fun to work with. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it's nice to see these guys as opposition players, and then find out what they're like in person. Yeah, um, you played with some unbelievable players, obviously at Carlton. Yep. And um, who who stands out? Yeah. For you more there than, than the rest? Yes, yeah, Simpson. He's a, Sim, Kate Simpson. He's the best player I played with. Mm-hmm. Um, Bit, yeah. Mud, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I kind of for me as a as a player and my development, yeah, Kate Simpson and like Johnny's one of the all time greats. So obviously, it kind of goes without saying. But um, for me, getting to play alongside Simo probably taught me more, certainly on field, than anybody else. And I reckon Johnny would he would understand what I'm saying because I know he rates him incredibly highly. But Kate Simpson's a rock star. He's such a good player, so underrated. And, He's been there for a long time and maybe not had the success that um, other guys as experienced as him have had, but he is just so good. And what, why is he so under? I mean, externally well, he's so underrated, right? But internally, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. that's played yeah. with him um, says the same. I mean, is almost on par with somebody like Christian. Well, yeah, internally he is. Anyone who knows him has played with him will absolutely get where I'm coming from. But. Um, but why? What, yeah, what yeah. Are so characteristics that well, he's actually so he's a pretty quiet guy off field. But again, the kind of guy I would always have a chat with you in that. But he's a pretty reserved sort of character. But he is just talk about your white line fever. Like he'd be the first guy you'd pick going into a bat. He's just the, the toughest, most courageous like leader I've played with. Um, he just like he weighs twelve kilos and he just will not back down. And he's just an incredible player, and I I learned so much from him. Um, yeah, like I said, on field and off field. But he's a He's reserved off field. That's just his personality. But um, meticulous in his preparation, like super professional, um, super hard worker. And then just his on field stuff was outrageous. He's the kind of player that, if he'd been at one of these, like Hawthorne, one of these hugely successful clubs, I reckon people would be talking about him as like an MRI and all these guys. Like he just would be. He's yeah. just a, a star. Did you kick his boots? Yeah, yeah, we launched him, we launched him, I used to yeah, target him, 
I think this is the only way I made friends at Carlton. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was kicking boots. How have those pranks been accepted down the highway? Yeah, wrong? fine. I broke their spirits. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to snub it out early. I broke their spirit. Who's the, who's the crosshairs? Uh, well, Paddy, he's an easy target. You can't miss him. Um, and then Stewie cops a lot. Matt Blitzavs is a pest. Yeah. Holland Smith. There's a lot. There's a lot of easy targets here. Um, but Paddy probably cops the brunt of my abuse. <laughs> it's not pranks. It's abuse. <laughs> um, who? I mean, who is it? If it was, if it was Simpson. Yeah. At uh, at Carlton, who would it be at Geelong? Uh, as the current player. Well, yeah. I mean, Carlton was a big name. Yeah. If you give these guys, and there's obviously. Mm. You know, Ablett, Danger, yeah, yeah. Subwood here off the top of your head. Who, who's the, did anyone jump up like Simpson? For, uh, as a child, the ones you said would, you know, Joel was, uh, would have been an easy pick. Um, down the back, we're such a young back line. Um, Harry, obviously, he's a bit like, he, like his meticulousness off field's incredible. Um, he hasn't missed much footy, I know he's injured right now, but he's been super resilient for his career. Um, and then in the back line, it's a tough one. Uh, somebody who's, well, he's actually getting a lot of credit right now, as he should. Um, Mark Litzavs is a hell of a team man. Seriously, a hell of a team man. Um, I just love his ability. He's Mr. Fixer for us, and I think he has been for a long time. Um, but he's just exceptional. Down back, he's killing it at the minute. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. We kind of lost uh, Mac. We lost Doms last year. and Those guys would easily fit into that class as well. But yeah. yeah. Tricky one. Well, essentially, you put all your eggs in one basket to a certain extent. But, mm. but what, what was it outside of football, away from footy, that um, that's your passion or that sort of yeah. keeps you engaged? Um, well, I have a few things going on. I love golf. Oh, I'm a hack, but I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, so that's kind of my downtime hobby thing. Um, don't see myself forging a career as a, <laughs> as a golfer post footy, but. Um, outside of that, I've got a couple of business things going back home. Um, I really enjoy the media side of things. Yeah. So actually podcasts, I must admit, I, I love the idea of doing them. I think they're just an awesome way of um, earning a slice if you can. So yeah. uh, the media side of things really interests me, doing a little bit of radio, writing a few articles and that kind of thing. So I'm at a stage now where I can kind of dip my toe on a few different you know, areas and, and see what tickles my fancy. But I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure I'd like to get down the media path. And of course, the podcast you're talking about, you're doing some stuff for the for yeah, the doing team. doing the Geelong one, which is um, which is nice. You know, it gives you an idea of, of how it goes. I, I quite like these style ones that are more just a conversation. And um, God, if I could ever get one of those up and going, that would be that would be the plan. But yeah, a few things. Yeah, a few things. Yep, we'll wrap things up shortly. But I'm just going to read out a few names to you now. Go. On. And uh, you know, what's the first word that comes okay. to your head? Mick Mulhouse. Oh, Dad, is that weird? He's like, <laughs> Daddy? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, he is the father figure, can I say that? He yeah. was great to me in my time there. Uh, Ross Gibbs. Skillful. Brendan Bolton. Uh, teacher. Mark Murphy. Skillful. Chris Judd. Um, leader. Andrew Leal. Power. God, no, can you ask me that again? <laughs> Flog, big head, something. Jeez. <laughs> You'll appreciate that, yeah. sure. Uh, Gary Ablett, junior. Legend. Senior? Oh, legend. <laughs> senior or junior? Oh, well, I don't really know senior. He's probably don't either. Must so, yeah. Um, well, the same thing, Joel or Scott Selwood? 
Top. Joel. <laughs> Sorry, Scoot. Cop that. <laughs> Cop that. Um, when was the last time you cried? Oh, God. Um, oh, what was the... Right, uh, it's slightly off track, but I was close to tears. I was watching a cartoon movie. Oh, what's the Lion, lion King? Lion King? When the lion died, I've never seen it. Are you serious? I was like, you can't let kids watch this. The little baby lion. So I don't know if I did cry, but far out, it was close. I, I, I think most men shed a tear. Oh, man. No, so yeah. heavy. Um, what's, what's, what's your motto? Like, what, what do you... Um, God, I've asked this before. It'd be something low key, take it easy. Um, Do you cover any ink? Is there any sort of little initials or any kind of thing uh, out there? That there's a little poem on the inside of my forearm that if you could nail it down to a few words, would be a good model. Um, but I'm not sure. So it's, it's a poem called My Mind to Me a Kingdom Is. Yeah. Um, I got it after a few friends back up. Oh, I don't want to get too heavy. A few friends of mine passed away through suicide, and we got this. I was curious about if I could find something that referenced like having a healthy mind and just being happy all that kind of cheesy stuff and I found that poem um, so if you could if you could anybody wants to google it and read it and try and nut it down to a few words you could probably yeah. make one out of that you've got that disposition about you yeah so I mean how do you because not, I mean particularly in football yeah but it's through social media or the pressures or the expectations yeah it's a lot harder now than what it was yeah, something like this. Yeah, oh, I reckon it's harder to hate somebody that's got a bit of a bloody personality. And I mean, the, it's such a stressful environment. And like, I'm firm, like, the media aren't out to get anybody. You know, like, everyone thinks you just got to be so careful. Like, it's like this if I'm doing a podcast and I make a joke about Paddy having a big head, like, I'm trusting that the article is not going to read, like, Rift in the Geelong camp. <laughs> so I just think, like, take it easy, no one's out to get you. And, um, it's such a stressful environment that when you can't make it light hearted, you should. Yeah. So. Do, you, do you have any regrets? Are there any moments where you think, what if? Uh, nah, certainly had I not. No, no, I don't. No, I mean, there's moments, mistakes in games and little things you take back. But no, no big decisions that I think, like, I shouldn't have left or I shouldn't have come out or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. And, and finally, if you were the CEO of the AFL, Pay rise for international players? Is that, is that, a, is that an option? <laughs> what, what, if, what if you're a crookie? Oh, take, me, take me private jet to me private resort. And <laughs> that is a good way to wrap up. Thank you. Thank you no problem. It's a pleasure. Yeah. We're talking footy.